What's up everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Zach, and this is the A to Z Exchange, the re-edit. <laughs> a weekly podcast where we discuss creative and cultural topics. That's right, and this week... Is a reshoot, so this yep. is a bonus episode for yep. you all. As, since we missed one last week, we got to <laughs> give one back. Um, as always, just like normal though, we do have to promo Nosy College of Art. It's where oh, yeah. we graduated from. They allow us to film here every week, sometimes uh, twice a week. And they offer graphic design, videography, uh, film, Photography. illustration, and they're going to have design. a master's web design and a master's program in the future. So, uh -huh. if you're it interested, starts in spring 2019. So, yeah, you might have heard something on the episode that came out yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, cool. And once again, well, not once again. But for the first time, it's also the second time we have Grayson Peters on. <laughs> hello, hello. To talk about himself. Oh, and well, what you do. Uh, well, well, howdy. <laughs> it's nice. great to see you all again for the first time. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm Grayson Peters, and I run HowFX, which is a special effects company here in town. That's right. That's it. Cool. We're done. <laughs> Boom. Well, you also run like a production company too, right? We do. Um, I started off doing video production, so uh, I also run Lupin Productions, mm -hmm. and uh, we're an independent film company here in town, and uh, we use all locals, whether it's on the costume side of things or the film side of things. I would like to keep it here in Nashville, because uh, to me, that's where the talent is, and uh, that's where it should stay. Cool. Well, you're from Nashville, right? I am. I was born and raised here. Mm -hmm. Are you Nashville, Nashville, or are you kind of like on the... I was City Nashville, limits. Nashville. I like, was born over in St. Thomas Hospital. Okay. Just yeah. like right over uh, in Midtown. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I guess I'm kind of a rarity these days, at least for the entertainment industry. So, I feel um, like just in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone called me a unicorn, actually, oh, yeah. like not too long I've ago. I've been called that several times. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, shoot, well, you know, it's, unicorns got to stick together mm -hmm. here. So. <laughs> I've just been called a stallion. <laughs> <laughs> this is a creative podcast, so we just make up things. Super creative. No, but yeah. unicorn's a thing, though. Like, if you go anywhere and you talk about somebody who's local to the area, That's they're true. called a unicorn. Yeah, so are stallions. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so you do, at Howl FX, you do costume design um, props. Yeah. Um, we are... Um, to the best of our knowledge, uh, we're one of, if not the special first, um, kind of like all-in-one special effects studio here for Nashville. So we do all custom work. Uh, when someone orders, if you're like a, an individual cosplayer and you order something from us, it is made from the ground up for that client, individually tailored to them. Uh, if you're ordering multiple costumes, if you're ordering multiple props, same situation. Everything is made completely, uh, completely custom and by hand. Um, we have, you know, seamstresses, tailors. Uh, through printers, uh, foam smiths, armor smiths, you name it. Like we work with dozens of different materials, and uh, we're proud to be be doing something like that here in Nashville. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's kind of different and new and cool, and uh, we're we're pretty excited. Is it new? Is it really new though? It's kind of new. I know. I'm well, trying to like make sure we ask good questions. Well, but it's they cool feel though similar. that like for it to be locally. I mean, cause <coughs> the film industry is growing here in the area. So it's nice that there's a place for people to go that's local instead of having to like outsource it to somebody else. And, and, and yeah. that's, the, that's the goal. And so like when we say like it's new, you know, the film community here is growing and growing and growing. And how FX came out of a need that I had on the video production side. Mm. We were doing a couple films that required 
some very intense and custom-made uh, costumes and, and props. And in the closest group to us here in Nashville that we knew of anyway, uh, that could make these in the time frame we needed and in the quantity that we needed was all the way up in Toronto. And, you know, we, we did the gig, it was, you know, and, and we got home and, and we realized like, there's gotta be a, a, a better solution for Nashville. Um, there's too many people doing film stuff here, too many people needing costume design, mm -hmm. prosthetics, virtual effects, uh, special effects. And that's when we had the idea to start up HowlFX. And uh, it's in partnership with our video production company. But now, if there are other videographers or other production groups or directors uh, in situations similar to like we were, uh, now they have someone local they can go to to get uh, custom-made, high-quality props and costumes or any kind of effects for their film or project. Cool. Yeah. And so, here in town, yeah. that's, what's, that's, that's the great thing. It's like using local talent. Yeah. So, but you guys have only been doing it for a few months, right? That's what yeah. I mean by new. I was oh, trying yeah. to... I was trying to <laughs> we, we, so we opened technically in June, um, but the first about three months of our operations were under an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, we were doing a project for a client in L.A., a video game developer, uh, doing this really cool suit for San Diego Comic-Con, and we were uh, helping to do their booth. Um, so we made this big angel suit, uh, and that took, that took up a lot of time. And because of that NDA, we couldn't really publicize anything yeah. we were doing. We didn't have time to make an inventory of anything else. So that's why we, uh, we really got started, I guess you could say, in August. Um, and that's when we kind of officially came out uh, and onto the scene here, and it, and it really has taken off. Right now, we're making commissions for people, uh, technically all over the world, uh, which cool. is really cool. Um, so we have a few uh, going out of the country here soon, um, and everything from like stuff from the Marvel movies to Halo, DC Comics, uh, you name it. Like where people saw that we can make stuff, and now we're making stuff. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool to only be open like I mean, really two or three months, and you're already international, doing international business. That's nice. Yeah, you should have your own bling bling music video. <laughs> to show, I'm working on it. <laughs> to demonstrate your success. Yeah. You're working on it. You need a boat, which you can make. One. Of course, we can make the boat. <laughs> you can make a 3D printed make all boat. We got things. this. <laughs> well, and I think it just it goes to show though that there was kind of. Uh, not only a need, but there was an opening for something like this. Yeah. Um, ultimately, we want to grow with the film community here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the main goal, is to not only have how FX get bigger, but we want you know, the, the, the film entrepreneurs, the, uh, uh, all the, the freelance directors, producers, everyone, we want this community to grow as a whole, because if there's more work for one, there's more work for all. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of the solution. And what's really cool is by offering a service as widespread as we do, we can be near the center of all that, um, helping whoever to, to expand their film horizons, their projects, their plays, uh, musicians. Uh, that's what's really cool. A lot of people, you know, they don't really think about that at first, but in, in today's world, you know, almost every musician has a gimmick. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Or some sort of unique look. Like look, yeah. That so you guys help the musicians develop their... We can. And it's yeah. like if you want a specific style that you want to be on stage with every time and custom-made clothing that only you were going to have, 
you know, Lady Gaga is a perfect example that sometimes it's really out there, but you know it's Lady Gaga. Now, I think recently she's kind of scaled it back, as, as most of them kind of do. She's, um, she's letting her talent yeah. show, like, show her skill level instead like, of I this. don't know specifically, because I don't work in the music business <laughs> like other people do, but I feel like her previous stuff, kind of like they portray in A Star is Born, was, like, pushed on her by somebody to, like... Yeah. Some of it. I think some of it was her. I mean, some of the, the statement. The meat dress. The meat was her, you know, <laughs> as a uh, mostly vegan vegan. Way to go. <laughs> like, uh, you know. It's, uh, but, you know, and even without Lady Gaga, there's a lot of other musicians out there that have very defined looks. Yeah. Um, sometimes the look is literally just going to your nearby, like, you know, pawn shop and finding whatever's, like, cheap. And, you know, throwing it together and be yeah. like, I'm a rock star. I mean, That's <laughs> right. I was going to say, sometimes it's perfectly blonde, flushy hair with a nice little golden well, uh, goatee. Well, like an example that I know for sure, like this doesn't have to, it's not like extreme or anything, but like Cam, she's a country music artist. Yeah. Hers is yellow. Like her, that's her color? Yeah. Like yeah. she doesn't really do anything unless she's wearing something that's yellow because that's her brand. Yeah. But. I'm blue. I'm blue and maroon. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it... it, it at the end of it all, or I guess kind of what, what's really neat, though, is whether it's a musician or, or someone else, we can meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And as the, the world that we're living in continues to evolve the way it's doing, that means so do the needs of the music side of things, the film side of things, the production side of things. Um, you know, whether you're in front or behind the camera, uh, they're all needing more custom work done for their specific yeah. projects. Um, and to the best of our knowledge, there was not a, a, a group here in town that could meet that. Um, there were individual cosplayers or individual, um, you know, seamstresses or tailors. Uh, there's a couple places in town that you could get some, uh, some custom work done. Um, uh, I know a few places over near Green Hills, a couple like tailor shops where you can get some really neat stuff. Um, but nothing that was like specifically geared mm-hmm. for entertainment. Uh, and that's why uh, that's why we kind of opened in the first place was to be able to start doing that because it arose from our own need. Yeah, cool. Um, What's been the most difficult thing you've had to do or create? <laughs> can you even can you even talk about it? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Like right now, I don't have any NDAs. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have any NDAs. Yeah. Oh, just to throw that out there to people who don't know, that's a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. So. It basically, yeah. means like whatever you're working on, you can't talk about it until. The, the person who uh, issued the NDA has then released it yeah. and given you permission. Um, no, uh, we, we, had a, a, we were commissioned from Sony uh, not too long ago to do these two costumes for a celebrity and for her kids. And it was like for Halloween costumes. And we had five days to make two wow. costumes and get it to L.A., um, and get it to LA. And get to LA. So you had two days to make a costume, we had, right? We had forty-eight hours, and one of them was now. Thankfully, they gave us permission to make it like really cute, which means we didn't have to make it like on-screen accurate. But one of them was kind of like a werewolf pup, Aww. so we had to do like some slight creature design work um, in forty-eight hours. And and two of our crew members, uh, Liam Nelson and Shayla Johnson, literally worked their rear ends off. For, for two days straight. And okay. Like individually, 
combing out yarn and turning it into hair and placing it like on the ears and face and stuff. Um, so that was kind of challenging, at least time-wise. 100% the most challenging thing creative-wise, though, I've had to face. Um, and, you know, we've made 18-foot-wide angel wings that come out automatically, so this is saying something. Automatically? Yeah. Uh, that was our first big costume. That's that was this a, big angel suit. I didn't see any of that yesterday on Halloween. No. <laughs> Downtown. I didn't see any of this. No, no. That was... Uh, uh, that was actually our first big gig was this angel suit. And he has four wing blades, two smaller ones, two big ones. And there's armor on the wings as well. Um, and they had to come out automatically. So we had four actuator motors and like a steel back harness. I mean, aluminum back harness we made. Uh, whole thing weighed 60 pounds. It was intense. Um, fiberglass armor, just like you see, uh, like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Like it was intense. And But even after that, the most challenging thing I've had to make uh, was from the Marvel movies. And uh, one of our biggest sellers are these Winter Soldier arms. So if you know Marvel, he's Captain America's friend. He's got like the all silver arm. And in the new one, <clears throat> he's got a kind of a black and gold arm in the new Infinity War movie. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't have any sort of fabric over his hand like in the previous one. So it's just a straight robot hand that you have to move in. So when people, our first custom gig, when he's like, yeah, I want this hand, we're trying to think of like, how on earth are we going to actually make this like movable for him? Um, thankfully, we found some pretty good solutions. We're always messing with new like rubbers and uh, silicone materials. Um, we, I primarily deal in 3D printing, although others use foam work. Um, but that was kind of a challenge to figure out how to like mesh that all together so that it looks like this seamless prosthetic but really it's like five different parts to the arm that you're putting on at di different times to allow for like movement so you can like you know hold props and make fists and do cool poses so that was that was definitely a challenge though um and I, as soon as i say this i know like something's going to come later on today that's going to be an even bigger challenge so <laughs> <laughs> oh today oh i'm sure there will be i it's, mean always. whenever i talk about like Phew, boy glad that's done something else just pops right up and it's like oh fudge yeah. I mean, yeah. we just had Halloween, so I'm sure that that's, well, I mean, probably not now, but like the August summer is probably the busiest time for you when people want costumes and it, stuff for Halloween. Uh, some people are commissioning us right now for props to use at a convention next August. Like, wow. They're already preparing. So um, when is San Diego Comic-Con? That's in May? June? That's in July. July. Is okay. that the biggest Comic-Con? I yeah. believe that's so the biggest. So when people talk about Comic-Con, that's the one they're talking that's, about? There's like, what, 38 of them? There's a lot. Uh, they yeah. actually, so San Diego Comic-Con just now, I think, trademarked the word Comic-Con. Oh. Um, yeah, because it's like it's gotten that big. and The rest are going to be called Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few out there that go by that. Yeah. Well, the um, one here is called Wizard World, right? Or is that separate? Is that well, a different th thing? That is one of them. Uh, we have a couple that go on here. Yeah. We have MTAC, which is the Middle oh, okay. Tennessee yeah, Anime yeah. Convention. It's Dragon Con. Uh, Dra yeah, that's over. Now, that's the second biggest in the world, and that's mm -hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah, um, which I th think is so interesting that like such a huge convention for that thing is just down in Atlanta, not like New York or something. Well, they have spinoffs too. They do. Yeah, um, so. and and a lot of the big ones all do. Now there's conventions that go on just about every week all over the world. Um, some of my favorites, uh, I do like going to MTAC just because it's local and it's nice. Uh, Comic Con is a lot of fun, but it is just mass hysteria. Um, uh, another one we've got here, uh, Heroes and Villains. 
Oh, okay. uh, they partner with uh, Walker Stalker, which is like oh, the yeah, Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah. And uh, that was actually pretty big. They'll go down to like Bridgestone Arena mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll set up, um, uh, you know, meet and greet booths for like Norman Reedus and all like the big actors and stuff. Uh, um, what's his face that plays Negan, I think, came to it one year here. Oh, yeah. What is his name? <clears throat> uh, well, there's another one, like Louisville Supercon that's going on, I think, at the end of this month. And, like, you know, William Shatner's going to be there. And all these people from, like, DC Comics and, you know, voices from, like, your favorite franchises. Uh, it's a really cool opportunity for, like, celebrities to meet and greet their fans. Yeah. Um, and where we come into play is uh, we help provide fans that opportunity to ex- not only express their love for the franchise that they're mm-hmm. going to be involved with, but make them feel like they're part of it. Uh, one of the commonly asked questions is, why do people spend a lot of money on cosplay props or costumes? And the best way I can put it is if you go to your hardware store and you buy a drill, do you actually need the drill or do you need to like push in a screw or make holes? Yeah. And so it's the need. In this case, the need is the individual, the customer, the client wants the affirmation of being that character. They want to know that they are part of that world, that everything about what they're wearing is authentic and unique to them. Yeah. Um, and it's about the presentation. Um, it's, there is nothing more fun that I've experienced recently, entertainment-wise, than to go to a convention dressed as a character that you know like you've put your heart and soul into it and it looks good. And when people go up to you and call you by that character's name, um, and it's really cool. Uh, I did Soldier 76 from Overwatch, and um, that's a new video game that's out and, uh, by Blizzard. And it's so much fun to be able to go to a convention with people like, oh, so Soldier 76, Soldier 76. And, um, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, dude. Exactly, right? And, I mean, you kind of probably feel like a celebrity then because I'm sure people will want to take pictures with you when you're dressed up. Right. So yes. it's like well, you get some paparazzi there. So <laughs> do you... This now this is gonna be a two part question because it's just it's distracting me. Go for it. I gotta get gotta get through it. <laughs> um, so do you develop the characters a bit? You know when you're when you're doing this. We try to. You kind of um, you kind of think about the character before you exactly you, you design it. Okay, good. Because so, my next question is, how does a werewolf pup happen? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't stopped thinking about it. Well, I guess like in the case of a werewolf pup, uh, this was for like a small child. So, so did, the way we kind of developed this one didn't have as much kind of lore details we could put into it. It was more like child-friendly safety stuff that we had to worry about, oh, while okay. also looking cute. Um, and, uh, but for something more detailed, like we just made uh, these shotguns for uh, for client out in Los Angeles. And these shotguns are from Overwatch, and they belong to a character called Reaper. And he uses two of them. And mm-hmm. They're big, they're, they're heavy. Yeah. And the way that the character Reaper reloads his guns is he throws them away. And pulls out two new ones. <laughs> uh, so we wanted these props to reflect that. Um, this is a guy who we realize, like, you know, delving into the story, doesn't take care of his weapons, doesn't care about damaging them. Um, <laughs> take care of his weapons. He, you know, he'll leave them around wherever, you know, wherever he's been. He has, he has parking tickets everywhere, I imagine. Exactly. <laughs> litter, and litter tickets. Uh, you know, the, the size of the shotguns mean they would be heavy. So we made them about 15 pounds a piece, wow. which is really heavy. But that also means that you can't just like wave them around everywhere. You actually treat them like a real weapon at that point, and it feels like a real weapon. Um, so all over the uh, the shotgun, you know, we we make it, and it looks pristine. It looks good. And then we'll take a needle file, 
and we'll just scrape the crud out of it. And we'll put notches in it, we'll put scratches in it, and we'll try to like find real world causes for those scratches. So if it's like he throws it down and a rock would hit it at this one spot. Mm -hmm. So I'll make a bunch of notches to make it look like the point of a rock had hit it. Another one is if he's rounding a corner, you know, he's like, you know, hiding, looking over, looking over, and then he rounds a corner, had this idea that maybe he did it a little too fast and hit like a brick wall, like on the corner of it. So put a big gash like all the way through the rifle. Then we'll take uh, various paints, acrylics, blacks and browns, and we'll add dirt and grime into every like, crease and mm -hmm. crack and crevice. And that way when it's finished, not only is it a unique looking prop for the client, which, uh, which always makes them feel special, uh, which it should. It's like, this is yours. This is not a mass-produced item. This was made for you. Yeah. Um, it also looks like it's been used. It looks real. Uh, it's that immersion that people really love to have with this stuff that makes it kind of special. Um, so when, where we can, we like to add a lot of details. Um, so did the mommy werewolf <laughs> have sex with the daddy werewolf? Or did someone bite a child? Well, from, from the franchise, this is from, I, I believe that the, the two parents were both werewolves. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank, let's move on. There we go. <laughs> you were really thinking about this. I couldn't. I just like, it was, it, it happened. I got hyper-focused on it and I couldn't get it out of my head. So. It's no worries, man. That's cool. I think that's awesome that you guys put that much, much detail in it, though. Um, it will, like I said, it makes the client feel special. Um, yeah. It adds a lot of joy for us to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I just got a request uh, from someone I know, and I'm kind of doing it as like a, a quick favor for some quick monster stuff. So this guy wanted, speaking of like were creatures, he wanted a were boar. Um, so okay. it's like instead of turning into a werewolf, you turn into a were boar, like the tusk and everything. And I have like five days now. I have two at the time. <laughs> five days at the time. To, to make something like dirt cheap that like doesn't require like someone with prosthetics to like or makeup and stuff on on site needs like two green mana cards. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like you know I I, just, I gotta make two of these things and I gotta make them like really easy to use. Right. So what I'll do is I went to like the nearest party city or something like that and get like a little mm -hmm. pig nose. It looks very simple and very mm -hmm. basic, and we'll take all of the painting details that we put into other props. And we will paint this up to look more like gross and paint it a really nasty color. So for like on the nostrils, uh, even though, you know, it's the size of a man, he's still going to behave like a pig. And pigs put their snouts in the dirt. Yeah. So I put browns and blacks in the nostrils and around the tip of the nose. And then all the crevices on the wrinkles, uh, we would put more of that, that dirt, earthy colors and tones. And then we painted the whole thing in kind of a sickly green because um, they're almost like orcish in appearance. Uh, and then same thing with these tusks. I had these two little horns we've used on other commissions, reprinted off some of those, gashed them up, put all sorts of dirt and everything all over them, broke one of them, because it's like they use them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome that you guys aren't using ivory. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a supplier, but it's, <laughs> it's getting too expensive these days. Just kidding, that's a joke. They're, they're legalizing it in China right now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we don't, we don't use any ivory. Um, <laughs> I swear. I promise. <laughs> where, so where we can, we like to use real materials, but obviously nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, we use various leathers uh, where possible, mm -hmm. uh, pending the nature of the costume. Right. That angel suit, 
had about four different layers of robes and um, the outside layer, yeah, plus wings, plus armor. Um, and the outside layers of, of the robes were these really cool, like cherry red colors. So we used a sheepskin leather, which is just very soft, uh, very flexible. And then we used kind of a bronze trim around it. And it looks like something that would belong to that world. My yeah. favorite type of genre to delve into is always sci-fi. Love sci-fi. Yeah. Armors, weapons, masks, helmets, uh, wings, like you know, mechanical wings. That's my absolute favorite. But when we do that, uh, we want to use as many non-organic materials as we can. Um, so we were talking about Blade Runner because we share mutual love of Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> but, but not of the original. <laughs> not of the original. Well, I don't know about um, you. I'm not, I'm not a big guy. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, it's, it's, they're slow movies. Um, but if, so maybe this is more like drift of the audience. If you're like, hey, I really love that jacket that Ryan Gosling wore in Blade Runner 2049. And, you've, and you're paying up the nose for a real leather one. You are not buying a lore-accurate jacket because all the animals in the world of Blade, Blade Runner 2049, if they're not extinct, they're in very, very, very rare form. So if you're buying a real leather version of his jacket, that's not what he would be wearing. You just stomped their yard. Boom! <laughs> you're also spending too much money on it. Go buy the cheap ones because that's closer to what he'll be wearing. That's... He'll actually be wearing a, like a pleather. He'll be wearing artificial fabrics. So if it's medieval or fantasy... We like to go as real as possible with it. Um, same thing with our armors. Obviously, we can't have like steel armor. Um, it's just too heavy for the model. But we'll do fiberglass instead. And resins, which are still really heavy, which means like you're not going to flop around in them. Like you have to, just like those shotguns, you treat it like it's real. You mm -hmm. behave in it like it's real, uh, which gives the audience more immersion and also gives the model more immersion. Um, but then anything sci-fi, though, we go as inorganic as possible with it. Um, you know, this stuff should look like it's made in a factory or it's made by machines. Um, so it's, it's always in little details that we love just to explore. And wherever, you know, our client will let us with certain commissions, we love to delve into the history of the proper costume we're making. Where has this been? Because uh, it reflects the character. Right. I really like that Blade Runner example. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go rewatch it again. I haven't seen either one of them. So Just yet. skip the original <laughs> and watch 2049. But he was, you mentioned like how the first one's slow or whatever. I feel the same way when I watch Space Odyssey. Yeah. Like I just, it's slower and far less rewarding. I could not. I, we had to watch it in a class for some reason. I think it was like philosophy or something. For some reason. And it was just so slow. I'm just like I'm not gonna slow. let you talk down, Stanley Kubrick. We're gonna shut this down. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> but I mean, the lights just like turn off. I just, just feel like it's up. just the different era, though, because then they didn't yeah. have CGI. They didn't have all the VFX that we have now. So the things were made and manually operated. So I just I I, I take I draw a line with that movie for some reason. Well, my my like, partner and I have had one major fight, and it was, that was that. <laughs> she wanted to quit watching it halfway through, and mm -hmm. I was like. No, well, I just... It's no. a lot like the, the Blade Runner movies where it's very slow, but it's meant to immerse you in that world. Yeah. So even though like you maybe not be caught up in the, the drama of the story, the look and the aesthetic and the behavior of the actors in that world are drawing you into it. Mm -hmm. So even if you're bored, you're probably bo just as bored as the astronauts are on that space station doing the treadmill thing all day long. Yeah. And that's what makes it really interesting. 
um, is you have more time to to soak it all in. Um, and that's uh, going back to Blade Runner, which is honestly, I don't know like any special effects person who doesn't look up to those movies. Yeah. Because they are a shining example mm-hmm. of perfect immersion into that world. Um, every detail, like Weta Workshop who did those buildings, um, you know, full scale models and they'll have like railings with lights and everything on them on buildings you'll never get that close to. You'll never see in a bajillion years in that movie. But it's just, it's always the small things. And that's what we want to strive to offer here because that's something that we've never seen be offered, you know, honestly outside of like LA or Toronto, uh, which is where like most of the costumer, costuming groups and costume designers are. Um, and New Zealand, if you count what it works out. Um, they did Lord of the Rings, if you haven't caught that yet. So like they're like the biggest, biggest group out there. And I wonder if they had anything to do with what we do in the shadows. I'm not sure. I can see that because that was produced, made in New Zealand, and some of those special effects were good. Yeah. Like, good. Like, the flying? Well, they're involved in, in just about everything these days. Um, Chappie, uh, wow. they did a lot of stuff for Thor Ragnarok. Um, and uh, they, you know, all these this, these things we talk about, you know, they started off doing with Lord of the Rings. They didn't just make armor for a character. Uh, they were known for going so f- above and beyond what was required for the film that it set a precedent for every costuming company out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they would put inscriptions and details on the inside of armor, mm-hmm. oops, uh, inside of armor that like <laughs> actors would be wearing um, that you'll never see, but the actors knew it was there, and it gave the actors more of a chance to behave like they were part of the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is just such a, such a neat idea, like such a cool thing um, to be able to do that. So there's a lot of really neat rewarding aspects to making like all these props and costumes. It's way more than just like, oh, here's, you know, you'll, you'll now look like the characters. We want you to be the character. We want you to be in the world of wherever it is that you love, whether it's an anime, comic book, uh, movie, video game, whatever. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was a good wrap-up. You've had like we four tried. good answers for the second week in a row. Awesome. Yeah. So like some of our last things that we do to kind of wrap mm-hmm. up is um, like we've started this new thing to like help promote reading and knowledge and all that. Because um, it's all about those alphabets yeah. and those beta ways and the differences between the two. It's true. Well, I mean, you get... You can get more detail about things from reading books. Well, uh, your imagination gets yeah gets going. Your critical uh, thought on pistons there. And you are paid away. That's yeah, part yeah. of the reason why I hate the Twilight movie. Other than the fact that it's just a terrible movie, they did not do the book justice. But anyways, <laughs> how can you do that? Never mind. The only Never part mind. of that, the only part of that that they got right to the movie from what I had envisioned in my head is Kristen Stewart. I was going to say that and the poor quality. Kristen Stewart, Ooh. I had her in mind for that role. I wish they would have done a better movie, but anyway. It happens. Um, <laughs> they didn't have good source material. Shut up, Zach. <laughs> but, so, is there any, like, book or anything that has influenced you into your career? One hundred percent The Hobbit. So, speaking of movies from books that you weren't really happy with, or, like, I wasn't happy with. <laughs> Trilogies from books that you <laughs> yeah. weren't really happy with. Uh, the movies do not even come close to doing that book justice. And the reason it holds a special place with me is it was one of the first books I read um, as a kid from, like, cover to cover. 
that wasn't like a picture book. It was like the first like real book. And it did. It got my imagination going. When you're reading this, you're having to envision these worlds on your own. And there was just such depth to it. And I love just the, the imagery of the colors and the journey uh, equipment. Like you had it all in your head as to what this stuff looked like. And I wish the movies, I wish they'd take a little more time with it. Because it took a while to do Lord of the Rings, and it shows it paid off. Yeah. Um, the Hobbit clearly like came out much faster, and they didn't. To me, it didn't feel like they tried to make the Hobbit. Yeah. And when I first read the Hobbit, I really enjoyed it, and then I read Lord of the Rings, and then I didn't enjoy the Hobbit anymore. Yeah. Because it was a clear, in, in my opinion, improvement. Yeah. Upon it, I mean, the detail in the Lord of the Rings is far oh. more extreme than the Hobbit. And that's not putting The Hobbit down, but The Hobbit is very singular. It's it's one thing. It's, it's a children's story. And when you try to when you try to make that into a PG thirteen darker trilogy that brings in elements from you know the histories and all yeah. of those different things, it just doesn't. He wanted to flesh it out, but unfortunately, it wasn't something that needed to be fleshed out yeah. as much. And that's the biggest disappointment. Is it was such a good, noble idea. It it was, and I uh, I. To this day, they'll always go back to The Hobbit and the, just the excitement and the, the kind of the, the thirst for more that mm-hmm. that book inspired in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking for just a really cool book, fantasy or otherwise, The Hobbit is always a good choice. That or Louis L'Amour books. I'm a big like, Western book guy. So I love like these old Westerns, um, depending on which one they were, but uh, you know just the, the tales of, you know, guys out there exploring brand new worlds and cornered and um, you know good guys bad guys sometimes it's good to go back for me just to experience all, the old romantic version of the west so yeah. but, I'm doing everything I can not to buy Red Dead Redemption 2 right now <laughs> second biggest opening for any entertainment thing like ever what is it Red Dead Redemption 2 yep like it beat out uh, movies uh, it, wow. video games no matter what it is like they reached almost a billion dollars have uh, you played it yet or I have not. I, I'm, want, I want to. I'm telling myself, like, don't do it. Don't spend $60. It's, it's, I don't know if it's come out yet. It might be like a November or December release, but there's a movie that's coming out with Jessica Chastain about Buffalo Bill, and she plays, She, I, I guess she, the character she plays was a woman who went from New York out there and stayed with him and the tribe mm-hmm. before the, what, what um, I forgot, like, the event that happened. But, um... Hmm. And she, like, painted them, and she was, like, the first woman to do that, and she did it alone, and, like, it seems like a pretty cool story. That's pretty wild. I might have to check that out. Yeah. That's she, better than a goofy video game. Well, uh, apparently, <laughs> like, it's not, like, set in, uh, it's not proven, I guess, that they were, like, a, an, they were in love with each other, or she was in love with him. They said She said in an interview that I saw some of her source material, there were some letters that kind of led to that. Like, yeah implied it but it's not been like confirmed there's yeah. no way to like confirm it well, it seems like I, a cool story I, I check it out I, westerns like that's my film goal to make a western just to one day be able to do a western uh even just to make props and stuff for it because that you know you want to go all out with like everything is hyper authentic um but like a real western burlap 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, make, make burlap sets just yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, I, I just love the Old West and stuff. And, um, 
so Western books always do it for me though. I love like a, a good good Western uh, Lonesome Dove. It's like one of my favorite like, series of all time. Um, but if I had to pick that one book though, it's always gonna go back to The Hobbit. Cool. That's in a weird way is um, kind of Western. I mean, where the environment the environment takes over. It's a physical journey. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's a map. You, well, you feel just as lost as a Bilbo. Yeah. And that's what makes yeah. it great is when you have a central protagonist like that who isn't like the commandant and, and take charge type. Um, you know, he's in a, a world of bewilderment. That means you get to be in that place too, mm. which is natural because... That's you know, how you would actually experience exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. We don't live in a world of elves and trolls and orcs and goblins. Like, this would be a traumatic experience, just like it was for Bilbo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can kind of, like, one of my favorite things is the book, I like the book and the movie. The book's a little bit different, but Into the Wild, it's kind of the same thing where he takes himself and he puts himself in that yeah. kind of situation. It doesn't end so well for him, but to, like, feel that same kind of thing, though, to, to immerse yourself into that environment, it, I feel like it's like a primal thing that we have to put yourself in that type of environment where it's just you in the wilderness, I guess, to, like, prove something to yourself yeah. that you can handle that. But Prove that you can survive on your own. Yeah, like it's like, a survival Like bare instinct. bone, primal is the word, just bare bone, mm-hmm. survive, like, without any, I don't know. Well, it, it starts... It starts, to me, like what should be the base element of any film or costume, which is putting yourself in the shoes of that character. Yeah. And Bilbo is such an easy character to do that with. So when you get to see the world from his eyes, you can imagine it a little bit better. Or like in the case of you know, what I do now, we can build it a yeah. little bit better. Nothing's better than a metaphor about putting yourself in shoes of a hobbit that doesn't wear shoes. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, this was a this was a good that's episode. That's a wrap man. for this. Yeah, this was a, this was a fun one. This was just as good as last week. Um, it's nice having you on. Still, really want to make that documentary about what you guys do because, like, you got your own little MythBusters thing. We try, and you just don't know it yet. <laughs> but I haven't he's been there. Really excited about that. I am. I sometimes I get a thing, and I'm just like, that's it. We can get some cool stuff. We can line up some cool, like, experiments if you want. Well, I really want to, like, I do. I really want to make some kind of documentary about you guys because. I feel it. I just feel it, man. I just feel it. Let's do it. it. Well, cool. All right. So to wrap it up, do you have any, like, social media or website plugs you want to add in? Um, So www.howlfx.com. Pretty easy. Uh, We are howl.fx on Instagram and just howlfx on Facebook. Uh, If you want to email us, just info at howlfx. Um, You can ask us about quotes, commissions, anything you want regarding, you know, props and cosplay and costumes and uh, we're always there. Cool. And the links are down there below the video. If you're watching in 2018, they could be back to the side or above in the next upcoming years. Woo-hoo. Who knows? Timeless. Cool. <laughs> all right. Um, and you can find all of our in, uh, social media is at the A to Z Exchange, all over everything. And at the A to Z Exchange.com. <laughs> Everywhere. And all, all the places. All over everything. Behind the Walgreens, tagged A to Z Exchange. <laughs> True. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys see next week. <laughs>